0: You are listening to the Therefore a Geek podcast, episode
1: 75.
0: (laughs) Hi, everybody, and welcome to Therefore a Geek. I'm Andrew. And I'm Tracy. And today we are talking The Killing Joke. So Tracy and I will be discussing Killing Joke, the comic, and dude, in a little uh, private session of his own... We'll be discussing Killing Joke, the animated film.
1: Which is terrifying.
0: Dude on his own or Killing Joke, the, t- the animated film?
1: <laughs> dude on his own, although the other thing is terrifying all by itself.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're, you're, you're right to be more afraid of dude and, and, <laughs> and solo time. <laughs>
1: he well, has no censor.
0: A little bit of me time for dude.
1: Oh Oh, Lord, that's <laughs> not a road we want to go down at all. So yeah,
0: so Alan a, Moore. Yeah, so we're talking about The Killing Joke, which is uh, Alan Moore and Brian Boland. And it was in 19, so originally pr- published in 1988. And it's been rep- reprinted several times. Tracy and I both read the deluxe edition, which came out uh, several years ago. So The Killing Joke, uh, rough synopsis here from the, from the, the, ba- the back cover. This is One Bad Day. According to the grinning engine of madness and mayhem known as the Joker, that's all that separates the sane from the psychotic. Freed once again again from the confines of Arkham Asylum, he's out to prove his deranged point. And he's going to use Gotham City's top cop, Commissioner Jim Gordon, and his brilliant and beautiful daughter Barbara to do it. Now Batman must race to stop his arch nemesis before his reign of terror claims two of the Dark Knight's closest friends can he finally put an end to the cycle of bloodlust and lunacy that links these two iconic foes before it leads to its fatal conclusion and as the horrifying origin of the clown prince of crime is finally revealed will the thin line that separates batman's nobility and the joker's insanity snap once and for all and yeah i mean that's a that's a pretty apt description of of the book so it is a uh, originally intended as an out of continuity Uh, single Batman story it's only uh, 47 pages long it's there's not a whole lot to it really
1: I was actually surprised at how quickly it flew by
0: oh no it it reads very lightly it's it's quite nice I think
1: this is a very infamous book and so going into it and knowing Alan Moore's reputation as a writer I kind of expected something that was even at first glimpse very heavy and it really isn't. It's very... The wordplay is smooth. The writing, of course, is brilliant. And there are moments that can kind of flash by you a little too quickly. And it's not until you're finished and you wrap it up and you kind of think back a little bit before you realize the impact it should have had.
0: Well, you know, for 47 pages, the book has a, a fairly considerable amount of depth. And it's interesting, uh, the, for the deluxe edition, the foreword is written by Tim Sale, who uh, himself... Has written several very well to well-known batman stories uh long halloween dark victory a couple of those so yeah, tim, tim kind of points out you know this is especially in the 80s this is one of the like was one of the books that really changed the face of comics it was killing joke there was um frank miller's dark knight returns frank miller's batman year one and then uh, uh, alan moore's watchman not oddly enough that's just that's what it is, so you know you've got Alan Moore and really the kind of the, the mix of alan moore and uh and Frank Miller kind of changing the face of the comic and this is one of those books that's just it's it's stuck around yeah and, and it, it's
1: often referenced in other books as well it, I mean it's a a cornerstone of of d c lore and Canon now. Even though it wasn't intended to be canon at all. Yeah, and
0: that's kind of interesting. I mean, probably the biggest thing that comes out of this, obviously, is the the crippling of Barbara Gordon, which even, you know, knowing that it's happening, knowing it's coming, it's still a, a pretty horrific read. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's, it's an entire page that has absolutely no words on it. And just the, the facial expressions on, on Barbara are just, I mean, I don't mean to make a pun on this one, but gut-wrenching.
1: Well, and it sort of caught me off guard. Even, again, like you said, I although I have not read this before, I knew what the story was. I mean, you can't really know anything about comics for very long without getting around to finding out what the plot is. And so as soon as I was reading the bits about the doorbell ringing and, and it was sort of, you know, the panels were leading up to her walking towards the door and saying she expected her friend there, even like just the moment that she opens it, the shock on her face sort of resonated with me as well. I could feel that moment when I I don't even think that. uh, So commissioner knew that, uh, that Joker had gotten out at this point. Yeah. But neither of them ever expected him to show up at their door.
0: No, not, not at all. Well, it's one of the, um, just having read the recent issue of Batgirl. It, It may have been the rebirth issue uh-huh. Th- this 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 specific page comes up where she talks about you know what she remembers most from this incident. It's not the gun. It's not the Joker. It's that stupid Hawaiian shirt. But it it it's it the idea you know kind of the those those people those people who have been through you know very severe traumas, the things that stick out to them, the things that trigger you know the post traumatic stress are not the obvious things. Yeah, it's and often th- the details. I, yeah, and the and and sometimes the most bizarre details. Um there was another episode uh, an episode of West Wing that that dealt with that where one of the characters who had been, uh, had been shot uh kept having basically these flashbacks to it because working in the White House, they were having different musicians playing throughout christmas and all the different horns and whatnot kept reminding him of the, of the sirens and oh, that wow. kept triggering but it's that kind of idea and and really it's that kind of attention to detail and and depth that lends such strength to the the book and to alan moore's writing in general
1: yeah i agree
0: and it's one of those it's this is not Watchmen, like in terms of this is not the the, the magnum opus that is watch you know Watchmen. it's twelve. what it, Really, Watchmen's only twelve issues of comics. But more than that, Watchmen is a very I don't want to say long form tale, but I mean you know, you start you don't really piece it together until the end.
1: Yes, exactly. And this and, and, t- again and
0: you've got to go through twelve issues to get to the end. I mean this and this is really this is it's forty seven pages, so it's basically a very large issue. It's a double size issue basically.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's it. You know, it is a single story. It is start and done,
1: beautifully bookended. I I just I love the quality of the writing in this. I mean, it just everything. It, it's yin and yang. Everything sort of flows in and flows out. Again, different events sort of bookend the beginning and the and the end of it. It's just absolutely beautiful piece. But as you said, it just flows so quickly, and then it's just done.
0: Well, you know, as you say, you're talking about the the flow and the book ending. Yeah, I have to say, a lot of that goes to um, uh, Brian Boling, uh, Bolin's art. There's a couple of panels, especially. So, in this, we get we get the the origin of the Joker or a possible origin of the Joker, and we'll discuss that in a minute. And we and we get to we get periodic flashbacks to that, mm-hmm. and there's a couple of things in with the flashbacks that kind of stuck out to me one is is the color that the entire thing is very muted Uh, and and i should point out that we are in fact reading the deluxe edition which has been recolored from the original uh and the the coloring is more of what brian bolland wanted in the coloring he and the colorist originally didn't agree and i think someone was someone was covering coloring his work kind of after the fact so he was not happy with the final product in terms of the colors but the The colors for the flashback scenes are very muted and and really kind of to gray tones, with individual items uh, done in color. We, we, we've all kind of seen that that look in Photoshop, mm-hmm. but I think it's done with with to very good effect in this. Especially, you have the very the it goes in shades of red. If you look as as the the, the background story progresses. It progresses in in into darker and darker and darker reds
1: I did not notice that, but I'll have to go back and look That's very interesting
0: yeah the tentacles in the pot are kind of a a, a pinkish hue and then the um, the uh, crawfish they're eating at the um, at the restaurant mm-hmm. are kind of a light red obviously the red hood is very much a, a just kind of a standard red and then during the heist itself um there's the hood but then there's also the the blood when the various other gangsters get killed and that's mm-hmm. obviously a very dark red
1: yeah
0: uh there's that there's also in in several of those the the scene just preceding or the panel just preceding it mirrors this the panel that the first panel of the the flashback there's a yes. great one that i loved which was the Joker? Is it's raining? The Joker's standing there. He's he's looking down into a puddle. First off, the re- the the art and the ref- for the reflection is just fantastic, and then the next panel, and it's a, it's a page flip, which makes it even better. That's that that kind of reveal is just is just good comic comic art. Yes, it, it, the the structuring of the page and the panel right there. But you get the page turn, and then it, it, it's basically a similar mirrored. Image from the night of, of the heist the 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 bad night for the Joker. Yeah, I mean, it's a hell of a bad night.
1: It really
0: is. You know, he gets uh, he basically gets laughed off stage. As, so the night before, he gets laughed off stage as a comedian. Basically, admits to his wife that he's a failure. He's got he's got they got a kid on the way.
1: Jeannie, it's her name.
0: Yeah, Jeannie, and he just he doesn't know what to do. So he decides basically to to join up with these kind of low life criminals who um,
1: they basically need a fall guy. Yeah, is what they're looking for, and that's pretty clear. I mean, I don't think that anyone. Well, I mean, obviously he's young and he's you know just desperate, but at the same time, it's pretty clear. He's also somewhat
0: naive. Mm -hmm. You know, he's never done anything like this before. So he 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 joins in and you know as at at the kind of conclusion of of their conversation a couple of cops find him to tell him that while he's been out his his wife has died in an accident basically she was um testing out the electric uh, bottle heater for their for their baby and she gets electrocuted basically mm-hmm. so she dies he tries to back out of the crime, and basically the guys threaten him into still going going through with it. The crime goes south, and they try and they try and blame him. They you know they try and pin pin it all on him because he's wearing the red hood, so they're trying to pin it like he's the leader.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The other two criminals get shot, and in order for him to escape, he jumps into the river, which happens to be full of chemicals dumping ground yeah which turned him into the the joker and it's actually the the reveal of him as the joker for the first time is a very famous image we'll definitely have to put in the show notes and it's just it's it's eerie (sighs) yeah i was gonna say haunting that's not quite where i'm going quite the feeling though but yeah i think eerie is a good one where, where you know you know everything that's that that comes next
1: yes exactly exactly The other bookending thing that I really appreciated going back a little more to the writing was that Batman starts the uh, issue by going in to talk to the Joker about how he understands that the Joker thinks that their whole dance, their tango, if you will, is going to end with one of them killing the other or both of them killing each other. And he wants to find some common ground, not necessarily forgive the Joker for what he's done, not necessarily you know, free him, or anything like that, but find common ground in which they both have sort of a mutual humanity. And it turns out, of course, that the Joker has escaped and there's someone else in his place in the cell. But this is clearly something that is bothering Batman, because at the end of the issue, when he bumps into the real Joker, even given everything that has happened with Barbara and Commissioner Gordon, Batman still wants to find this commonality between the two well so
0: let's be honest though there is a commonality and the commonality is the one bad day right joker's Mm -hmm. had had his bad day so did bruce wayne yep you know batman and the joker even even supposes that he supposes that like that something happened right i don't think he he doesn't fully understand what happened I I tend to subscribe to the idea that the Joker actually knows who Batman is, and he doesn't care. And and I can kind of see evidence in this book, both ways. And I don't think Alan Moore had mm-hmm. one had one stance or another. It, at least it didn't intend for one stance stance or another. But I I think. I think the Joker, knowing who Batman is. W- almost works better to this. Yeah. Where it it's, he's had a, ba- he's had the bad day. The Joker thinks that, you know, Batman. The Joker th-
1: just wants Batman to admit that he himself is also insane. Right. He's like, you had a bad day. I had a bad day. It made me insane. I need you to admit to the fact that you are also insane, even though you're pretending sanity.
0: Well, and he's kind of in, in a way, he's kind of forcing another, bad day on to batman
1: absolutely right.
0: so so he's trying to prove a point and he's trying to use gordon to do it and basically the idea is he's trying to break gordon so he's trying to put gordon into that bad day so he, sh- he shoots barbara in front of in front of in front of gordon he then you know kidnaps him shows him pictures of barbara you know injured and stripped naked he's you know stripped naked and humiliated. Joker does everything he can think of and everything in his power to just destroy Gordon's spirit. And although Gordon is obviously at times catatonic and in, in, with distraught in this, with despair,
1: mm-hmm.
0: he doesn't break. And in fact, Batman comes much closer to breaking than Gordon does.
1: Yep. I would agree.
0: And Gordon is the one who tells him, "No, we have to do this by the book. Bring him in. We have prove to prove sh- to
1: him that this way works,
0: right? And basically, prove him—he prove to him he's wrong."
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, I mean that's kind of the, the big takeaway I get from that is that, you know, Gordon, Gordon essentially proves to f- one to the Joker that he's not right. Also, to an extent, to Batman. I Which is it,
1: vital. I, I mean, it's very important to Batman's continued um, presence in in Gotham.
0: Well, aside from that, I think if Gordon had collapsed, if Gordon had, had had given in to the bad day, I think it would have made Batman question himself. You know, if mm-hmm. Gordon, who who is invariably one of the rocks of Batman's universe one of the 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 pillars that really holds batman together if gordon falls then obviously batman feels that he's i think i think batman feels he's going to fall as well yeah you know it's one of those batman knows he's the fastest he's one of the smartest you know all of these great things at the same time there is a certain level of self-doubt built into batman he has to be better. He has to be stronger, faster. He can't let this happen again. You know, that that yeah. kind of thing. He's driven by the by that feeling of being powerless as a kid. I couldn't help them. I need to help people now. I have mm-hmm. to be better. I have to be stronger, faster, smarter, everything like that. So just because Batman is all those things doesn't mean he's constantly, he's not constantly questioning who he is and where he's coming from. Yeah. Yeah, so, so coming back to what we talked about a minute ago is uh, the, the origin of the Joker.
1: So I'm not a huge DC fan. Is this the first time that anyone has actually written an actual origin story for the Joker? Not one that was sort of theorized or made up by another character but where we actually see it as a potentially real story
0: I don't know honestly uh, I mean I, I, do, I do read some Batman and obviously uh, some DC and Batman is among the, the most that I read uh, Batman and Green Lantern are the two titles I read the most mm-hmm. I'm not certain and to be honest I have um a little bit of an issue with the idea of an a, a origin story for Joker in that I just don't think I think Joker works better without one or without a clear origin. Yeah. And I think uh Dark Knight uh the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight does that perfectly. Really, Joker yes. ins- introduces himself. He asks, you want to know how I got these scars?" and it's always a different story and there's actually a line in here i'll go ahead and read it as soon as i find it that that joker is talking about what happened like t- what happened to him
1: when he's explaining the story we've already been seeing throughout the previous part of the issue
0: yeah uh i'm trying cuz it's a really it's a really good line oh here it is like something like that happened to me you know i i'm not exactly sure what it was Sometimes I remember it one way, sometimes another. If I'm going to have a past, I prefer it to be multiple choice.
1: Yeah, that was beautiful. So even even in giving
0: a clear and concise story, like backstory for the Joker, the Joker himself says, well, I don't really remember it. I'll tell it one way, I'll tell it another.
1: And to him, it's all equally true.
0: Right. It also, I think it sh- goes to show how deeply shattered his mind is. Yes. Which, again, contrasts Batman, who is you know, perfectly structured.
1: This and is, in a way has to be.
0: This is one of those stories I think makes, uh, that, that demonstrates how, how well the Joker and Batman play off one another. Again, I also think Nolan's Dark Knight does the same thing. You know, it accomplishes a very similar goal. You know, du- dude's not a huge fan of the Joker as as the villain. He's much more much big bigger fan of the Riddler, who I think is is very good. But in terms of just kind of the yin and yang, the the, the definition of a dramatic foil, I think you, you got to look a, very long and hard to find ones that fit as well as, as joker and batman
1: yeah I, I i would agree
0: as with unfortunately with most things lately uh, this book is not without its share of controversy there's 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 kind of two that come to mind kind of related one we'll touch on the second one just just briefly because we've talked about it at, at length in, in several podcasts uh but the first one is what is referred to as women in refrigerators uh so yes. th- that is a term coined by Yale Simone uh and it had to do with a it basically came f- back from uh late 90s 1989 actually and it was from a, an internet discussion forum and it kind of be- I actually believe believe it became its own website and the idea is that and this has happened I I, I have to say there, there is some I would say significant credence to this complaint and that there is there are a lot of female characters who either are rather horribly uh, maimed or brutalized straight up murdered uh, depowered or in some way made insignificant in order to be the motivating factor for a male hero uh, the story for a male hero and mm-hmm. the, t- the term women in refrigerators itself comes from uh, an issue of Green Lantern where Kyle Rayner's girlfriend is murdered and stuffed into a refrigerator as a basically as a, t- a tragic Motivator. motivation for Green Lantern. Yep. Uh, this is one of the books that is most commonly pointed to for, for the women in refrigerators argument. And to an extent, I, I will concede that there is a significant element of that my My issue with that is I think that is putting a very narrow set of blinders on and not taking the work as a whole I think Can there you a, flesh I think, that out a little so I think there's a lot more to this work than just just that yes she it is a motivation for for Batman for Jim Gordon for one again alan moore had no intention for this to be continuity
1: yes that's a a huge caveat to this discussion
0: well it's a caveat and i will and again i'll admit that doesn't make it better right just because it's not canon doesn't mean that hey alan moore you know alan moore wasn't using barbara gordon as a motivation for batman yeah but i think in general i think that this is one of those cases you have to go to extremes for one to 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 find to 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 be able to use this story right it has to be it can't just be i had a bad day at work right this has to be as tragic as they can make it
1: yeah for the and story to 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 do what it's supposed to do
0: right absolutely and at the time there are few people who are closer than Barbara Gordon who is Batgirl and Jim Gordon so i think that's that's part of it the other part is She's not the only person who is, is, is treated brutalized. in that fashion. Yeah, yeah. Right? Jim Gordon, although not, not physically maimed, is treated in a similar fashion.
1: He's stripped completely naked. He They goad him with cattle prods to get onto this ride to see his daughter compromised, humiliated, d- damaged, um, almost, as far as he's concerned, irreparably. I also have to point out that the women in refrigerators argument usually applies to a romantic interest. And Barbara isn't, well, see, this is a hard one to say, but for um, the most part.
0: Yeah, so I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily agree with the fact that it's always romantic interest. I think Aunt May is an example.
1: Oh yeah, that's I mean, they, true. You know,
0: Aunt May is constantly in fucking peril. That's true. And, as a motivation for Spider-Man. Which drives me but nuts, because
1: I would say that the that Barbara wouldn't be. Well, I guess she's because of her relationship with Batman. I guess she is a little bit of a moderator for for him. But reading the story at face value, it seems as though Barbara's paralysis and humiliation was the impetus to break Gordon, and the breaking of Gordon was the impetus for Batman to step in. I didn't feel as though Batman had seen the pictures of Barbara or really was impacted by what happened to her just yet. And I'm sure that was coming, but it would have fallen off the edge of the end now, of the story. So
0: I think so you see you're forgetting the scene in the hospital where Batman oh, goes to the hospital. Yeah. So I don't Good think point. it's, I don't think it's a romantic interest. I think it is. And, and this is one of those it could, could be, couldn't be in terms of Joker knowing who Batman is
1: mm-hmm.
0: because either he knew who he knew, he knew, if he knows who Batman is, then he's struck at two people who are exceptionally close. Like, yeah, not only is he going for Gordon, he's also going for someone that Batman has been training and, and is, a, has been mentoring. Yeah. So there's that. Or he just, it, it's, it was, it's a, it was a random happenstance for the Joker. A
1: little accident as Bob <laughs> Ross likes to say.
0: <laughs> I'm not even sure Bob Ross could, could say that one with a straight face. <laughs>
1: I went real dark. A Sorry little. About that, guys. Oh fuck me! No, <laughs>
0: no, nope, <nope>, I screwed. <laughs> I screwed up. Fuck it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Again, I mean, there is certainly some credence to the argument. I just don't know that. I don't know that I would call it the poster child for for women in refrigerators. Um, the the second controversy is one. I like, said so we've we've talked about kind of at length, and that is is the the batgirl cover that that plays homage to the killing joke
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um and again you know the the censorship argument aside i don't i don't personally know that the cover was in as bad a taste as a lot of people think it was you know there there just aren't that uh, there aren't that many stories that involve batgirl and the Joker. So if you have yeah. a month that is has joker themed covers regardless You're of prob- regardless of the wisdom of that decision I'm not I don't work at DC editorial I don't know what you know why they choose to or choose not to do that but whatever but if they're going to do that that is the first thing that would pop into nearly any artist's head is killing joke because that's the most visible connection between those two characters, yeah and you know to be honest, and kind of kind of get off topic a little bit, you know like we, this was not a, at all intended to be a canon piece. it obviously was taken as canon and very much changed Barbara Gordon. I think to a large extent changed Barbara Gordon not for the better but artists for the more art, interesting? well artists and writers were able to take her and do really cool things with her yep.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, it's one of those
0: ends just ends can't justify the means kind of arguments. And I don't think I'm not, I would never argue that it does. But I think the end result turned out much better than it than it could have. But this could have been a character that was just relegated to nothingness afterwards. You know, you may see in the background of a panel or, you know, Jim Gordon may talk about his daughter, you know, at some point. But because this was a fan, a, fa- a character that fans and writers and artists loved they said kind of fuck you Alan Moore you know we're gonna do something really cool with her and I mm-hmm. also kind of like that yep yeah, I'm a big proponent of if you don't see the stories you want it being written write them yes so if people didn't like what was happening with Barbara if you want really cool Barbara Gordon stories write really cool Barbara Gordon stories
1: yeah and that's definitely happened.
0: Absolutely. That's, I mean, I mean, you, we can look back. I like, said Gail Simone is one of the, you know the person who coined the phrase woman in refrigerators," and she had a very strong run on Batgirl, uh, just recently. Well, yes. A couple of years ago now, at this point, but so you know, it is certainly possible to redeem a character who is who has been in the midst of something fr- like this.
1: Been put in a fridge.
0: Yeah, it's funny. There's actually an interesting—not um, to go into it at this point—but there's kind of an interesting, not uh, we'll call it caveat to the the women in refrigerators, and that is called men defrosting. <laughs> well, so and and again, it, it's it's similar to the argument, and they're not necessarily wrong. In in that, very often, men who are put in the same situations. Uh, regain their powers, or are miraculously healed, or something. So, yeah. You know,
1: yeah. No, I I see that one too. That's funny. We'll have we'd have to do perhaps another conversation that gets into the depth of that one. But yeah, I I like what has happened to Barbara since, and even now, even her current run is really cute and sweet, and it's it's aimed a little bit more at girls as opposed to adults. But it, it I absolutely agree with you in that. If you, it, I mean, she's been taken in so many cool directions now that probably were not possible prior to this.
0: Yeah. I, it's funny, actually. I really liked Gail Simone's portion of the run on Batgirl in the the New 52.
1: hmm
0: And I didn't start out liking the Batgirl of Burnside. And the character and the writing has actually quite grown on me. Oh, good! It's, it's, yeah, it's, you know, that's a really nice... I'm glad I stuck with it, because I was kind of thinking about dropping it when I was like, oh... You know, the, the book's okay, but it's not really for me. And then I really, I really came to enjoy it.
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah, I, I like it when I'm surprised like that. that. That's always really kind of a treat.
1: Yes. All
0: right, so, folks, that wraps it up for our portion. But, uh, you know, don't tune out just yet because, dude, like I mentioned before, is having a little solo time. And he's going to be discussing uh, The Killing Joke, the animated film that was released uh, just last week.
2: 2016's Batman The Killing Joke is DC Animation's adaptation of the 1988 graphic novel of the same name, written famously by Alan Moore, who is well-known for works such as The Watchmen, V for Vendetta, and From Hell, with art by Brian Bolland and John Higgins. It premiered this July at San Diego Comic-Con with mixed reviews and a little bit of controversy. The film is written by Brian Azzarello, who you may know from series such as The Hundred Bullets, and it's directed by Sam Liu, who's directed other DC animation films such as Batman Year One. Most importantly, the movie is produced by Bruce Timm, the same guy who gave us Batman the Animated Series. I think it's fair to say that this is a series that has defined Batman for nearly an entire generation. An important aspect to that is the voice actor Kevin Conroy, who has played Batman for nearly 25 years, and his opposite, Mark Hamill, who's played Joker exactly as long. Browning out the cast as Tara Strong as Batgirl, aka Barbara Gordon, and Ray Wise as Commissioner Gordon. The story centers around Joker, who has just escaped from Arkham Asylum. His plan is to kidnap Commissioner Gordon and drive him entirely insane. Joker's working from the premise that anyone, no matter who it is, even the vaunted and valiant Commissioner Gordon can go utterly insane after one really bad day. So Joker devises about the worst day you could possibly have for someone's life. He shoots Commissioner Gordon's daughter, Barbara Gordon, directly in the stomach, severing her spine and crippling her, then strips her naked and takes photos of her. He abducts Commissioner Gordon, takes him to some kind of abandoned funhouse carnival, and shows Gordon, who has been beaten and stripped naked himself, all the photos. And, of course, it's up to Batman to save the day. As Bruce Timm noted in interviews, if he just did a direct adaptation of the 1988 graphic novel, he'd end up with a feature-length film that only clocks in at about 42 minutes. So, Timm and Azarello added what's been called a 30-minute prologue to the film, expanding the character of Batgirl, basically because Barbara Gordon only gets shot in the original graphic novel. This has been leading to some of the controversy. In fact, that's pretty much all the controversy has been about. But before I get into that, let's talk about what works in the film before we talk about what doesn't and the controversy. Overall, I like the story of The Killing Joke, mainly for its portrayal of the Joker. I never liked it when the Joker tried to be this grandiose, almost megalomaniacal villain. It's much more scarier and much more interesting when he is smaller, more constrained, and focusing on things that are more realistic, like kidnapping someone, torturing them, and trying to drive them insane. To Tim and Azarello's credit, they basically capture everything from Moore's original graphic novel. They've got it perfectly down. It's almost a shot-for-shot shot remake, with a few added spots here and there. There are a lot of aspects of the original killing joke that I like a lot. I like the violence. I like the darkness. I like how far Moore pushed it. It makes it feel real, it's much more visceral, and it's a much more compelling read. And, to their credit, Tim and Azzarello give us just that what also made the killing joke unique in addition to the violence and the grimness was the backstory of the joker something that hadn't been tackled by writers before more here we see the man before the joker a failed stand-up comic living in poverty with a devoted and loving wife and expecting a child so to make ends meet the guy decides to pull a heist with local criminals in the process of planning he learns that his wife has been killed in a freak electrical accident the criminal thugs hold him to his promise to rob the company that he used to work for Everything goes wrong when a security guard shows up, Batman shows up, and the guy falls into a vat of chemicals coming out the other end, Shawshank Redemption style, laughing like a lunatic, thus giving us the Joker. All that stuff I really thought was great. In the screen adaptation, all that is portrayed exactly as seen in the graphic novel and works perfectly well. So what are some of the problems? For me, chief among them was the quality of animation. It had this strange liquid gel look to it that I just don't like. In fact, I haven't been impressed with American animation in the last 15 years. The characters are drawn very blocky. It's low on details. The backgrounds aren't dynamic. They're very static. Characters that are sitting at a bar or a table just kind of freeze in place, almost like a matte painting. It really doesn't work. And the animation was probably my biggest complaint. My other problem with the film was the prologue, but not for the reasons that you might think. I'm actually sympathetic to Tim and Azzarello's problem of trying to expand the story, give Barbara Gordon, Batgirl, a little more stuff to do. The problem was the execution. It just doesn't work. The prologue feels like it was slapped on to the beginning of The Killing Joke. Probably because it was slapped on to the beginning of The Killing Joke. The story of the prologue is utterly and totally original and independent of The Killing Joke. It revolves around Barbara Gordon and her tensions with Batman as well as her attempt to bring down a local uninteresting uncolorful thug named Francesco. While not bad in it of itself it has nothing to do with the killing joke. Why are we adding an extra villain here? It just felt like a really long episode of Batman the Animated Series that we didn't need. I would much rather have liked to see the Joker Added to the prologue maybe some dynamic between Batgirl, Batman, and the Joker so that when we got into the meat of the original Killing Joke story, it made sense. Maybe even add a touch of irony. If they wanted to expand the Killing Joke, why did they just throw in a new villain and throw in Batgirl with this strange dynamic? This is not to say the entire prologue was bad. There were a couple aspects of it that I really, really did like. One of which is that the characters are not shown to be goody two-shows. There's some ambiguity to their goodness, for lack of a better term. One of which is the fact that Batgirl and Batman have sex on a roof. It's clearly an error in judgment for both of them, but it worked for me. I thought it was adult, and I thought it made sense. On the other hand, some people had big problems with this. For me, I think this is a red herring. It's not a big problem. It worked. The other thing I liked about Barbara Gordon is, again, she's a little more dynamic. Again, she's fawning over her boss, something that's realistic and believable, and she seems to have an anger management problem in the prologue. At one point, when she sees a boyfriend-girlfriend couple have a fight, she puts the guy in an armbar and throws him over some bushes. I liked it. Again, the characters are flawed. They're not perfect. They're not goody-two-shoes. That part I was okay with. I think that's where most of the controversy is coming from. I think it's not founded. I would have rather it had something to do with the original Killing Joke. Just slapping it on there and adding another villain doesn't work at all. Also, if Tim and Azarello wanted to expand the Killing Joke a little more, they actually could do plenty with the Joker's backstory. Moore's graphic novel is fairly thin, as they've admitted, so adding more things to the Joker's backstory, letting us see more about him, giving him a worse day than he already had could have done a lot more to enhance the viewing experience rather than the prologue. Now, as far as the voice acting is concerned, Mark Hamill is stellar. It really is his movie when you get into the Killing Joke narrative. He's absolutely fantastic. I can't say enough good things about him. Tara Strong and Ray Wise are absolutely serviceable and do a fantastic job. I was surprised how much I did not enjoy Kevin Conroy in this. He almost sounded bored. In the prologue, he really wasn't given much to work with. And in The Killing Joke, Moore didn't write Batman particularly well. And Azzarello and Tim didn't expand upon it or try and edit it up a little bit. It didn't work until the very end when Batman and Joker have their big confrontation. So I have to say overall, the voice acting was good. Conroy let me down a little. So overall, I enjoyed DC Animation's adaptation of The Killing Joke. It obviously to me wasn't perfect. But it was pretty good. The controversy around the prologue, Batgirl having sex with Batman, I think is kind of nonsense. And the classical complaints about the violence and the horror of the story, I just don't take seriously and I'm not going to waste my time dismantling them. It's a dark story with dark characters and have dark outcomes. If you don't like that, then the killing joke just isn't for you. Go read an Archie comic book or watch you know, Sunday morning cartoons. This is an adult Animated film it's rated R for a reason. It's actually kind of a soft R, but nevertheless It's an adult story. So for all those reasons. I give the film about a C plus. It's just okay It had a strong source material that they were true to but adding that prologue mm, Hurt it and there were some missed opportunities that would allow them to expand on the original source material without violating the spirit of the story so that being said I give DC Animations' Batman The Killing Joke a solid C+. And I'd recommend it for any fan of the franchise.
0: Folks, if you like what we do, make sure you head on over to thereforeigeek.com. You can check out our blog posts and our podcasts. You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. And you can find this podcast and other podcasts like it on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube. So once again, folks, you have been listening to Therefore I Geek.